morning and happy Lord's Day. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord and I hope that you are as excited and thankful and grateful and appreciative and all of those other good terms being here that the good Lord has blessed you to wake up to see another, not just another beautiful day, but especially today is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Let me say that again. The Lord's Day. Boy, I remember growing up, the Lord's Day meant you hung around the church building and you visited the sick and you did work for the church and all those things. Well, 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 that's another lesson. That's another lesson. Now it's hard to figure out, is it really the Lord's Day anymore? Hard to find church folks on the Lord's Day. But nevertheless, God is good. God is good. Our lesson this morning is taken from Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And I'm going to uh, read again. And I'm going to back up to verse number 23. The correct scripture text was given to Brother Bobby. But for contextual sake, I'm going to back up to verse number 23 and begin reading. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out unto the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were hidden, were bidden, shall taste of my supper. And there went, and there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doeth not, or doth doth not, bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient, see, to finish it? Lest happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it. All that behold it began to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. This morning we would like to talk about the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. Our main focus is going to be set on verse 26, beginning verse 26. When Jesus says something so profound, he said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, He cannot be my disciple. 
powerful words when you hear the word hate. You know, growing up as a child, I was always taught, don't use the word hate. You never say you hate anybody. That's how I was brought up. Now, I don't know how you were brought up, but I was brought up being told not to ever use the word hate toward anybody. The only thing we as Christians should hate is sin. That's the only thing we as Christians should hate is sin. We should never have a hate toward a person. Let me say that again. Because I thought when the word of God is spoken and the truth is said, God's people used to say amen. amen. <laughs> they used to say amen. amen. So we should never use the word hate toward someone. I don't care how angry you may get or how frustrated you may become. You don't have the room to hate anyone. If there was ever anyone who had a reason and was grounded to be able to hate anybody, God had a reason to hate us. Amen. Amen. So following the statement that we must hate our father and mother, Jesus relates a metaphor about a man who builds a house without first counting the cost. The man finds that he cannot follow through with what he set out to do. He leaves the house unfinished because he cannot pay what is required. Jesus' illustration helps to explain the difficult statement about hating our mother and our father. Namely, we must count the cost of being a disciple. There is a cost. Let me say that again. There is a cost. And that is the point of this whole context. There is a cost. It may not be based upon financial money, uh, monetary, but there is a cost to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In order to be a disciple, we must be willing to give up everything for Jesus. Mm. Let me say that again. In order to be a disciple, we must be willing to give up everything for Jesus. Amen. Following Jesus requires commitment and faithfulness, even if our parents choose not to follow the Lord. Even if our sisters and brothers choose not to follow the Lord. Even if it boils down that our own children are rebellious and refuse to follow the Lord. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there is a cost. And let me tell you something. Don't be, don't be fooled into thinking sometimes this cost is painful. Sometimes this cost is painful because, see, to follow Jesus, sometimes it's going to put you at odds against your mama and your daddy. Because your mama and daddy don't agree with what the Lord has said, and you do, you know what? It's going to be some hardships. Sometimes parents will turn on their children because they say, you aren't following in the traditions that we have laid out for you to follow. But to follow Jesus is to lay aside traditions and to obey the truth. Sometimes 
being a disciple of Jesus is painful because you have to take a stand when sometimes it may appear you're the only one in the family who's taking a stand for the truth and everybody else is laughing and mocking you and making fun. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know what? It costs, folks. It costs. But let me tell you something. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Whatever pain, whatever heartaches, and whatever loneliness you may experience, let me tell you something. Heaven is worth it. Heaven is worth it. But even looking beyond heaven, you don't have to die to even come to the understanding of realizing the cost is worth it. You have a church family. God provided and designed this thing that, you know what? When your own mother and your own father and your own sisters and brothers turn their back on you, you got God's people. Amen. You got someone that is closer to you spiritually than what your family are physically. Amen. Oh, I've heard it all my life growing up. Folks talk that yang yang. Blood is sticking in water. You know what? It sure is. The blood of Jesus is thicker than that mess that y'all got out there. Folks talking about, yeah, your family should always come first. Family, man, family will do you in. I'm talking about the physical, biological family. I'm not saying all of them are bad. But examine, look back. Who have done you in more than anybody in your life? It wasn't the church. The church haven't done you any wrong. And then family members have a tendency sometimes they feel they could do you wrong, but still, well, you should understand we family. <laughs> Quit buying that mess. Quit buying it. Just because you're related biologically, that don't give them the right to misuse you and mistreat you. And don't be afraid to take a stand and stand up for what's right in the truth because you're afraid of being ostracized and you might not be invited to one of the drunken family reunions. <laughs> don't need to be there anyway. Let me get back to my lesson. Some of you, some of you rolling eyes. Following Jesus requires commitment and faithfulness. Even if our parents choose not to follow the Lord. That's a, man, that takes courage. That requires faith. You hear me? That requires faith when you have to take a stand against your father and your mother and just say, that's not the right way to go. Well, I brought you up all your life and taught you and provided for you. you normally, that's the first thing people always want to refer to, what they've done for you. Amen. Not looking at the fact of what I'm trying to get you to see and understand from God's word. It's the truth. They want to take it from the spiritual context over to the physical. What you provided for me and what you did for me, you're supposed to have done for me. But that does not erase the fact that I'm bringing the truth to your attention. 
and no monetary gift or no monetary item that you've ever uh, given to me or bought for me should supersede the truth. Amen? Amen? But do we really believe that? Let me read that again. Following Jesus requires commitment and faithfulness, even if our parents choose not to follow the Lord. Brings about tension, folks. You know, you, you used to go hang out at your parents' house and you laugh and joke, but now they know you don't believe like they believe anymore. They don't laugh and joke with you the way they used to. You become concerned, what are they saying behind my back when I'm not here? All the rest of your siblings, they laughing and joking with them, but you come around, guess what? There's a quietness. Oh, I can tell you about it. I lived that. I lived it. But I'm thankful to God that he gave me the courage. He gave me the strength to see each one of my siblings come back and say, you know what? I'm glad you held strong the way you did. Man, I used to go home and visit them. My siblings were home. Boy, I got cooked in the, in the stew pot. I had all kind of nicknames. Reverend Knight. Here come John the Baptist. Oh, you name it, had all kind of names simply because, you know what? Especially when you've been brought up knowing the truth and your other siblings stray away. And they have made up in their mind they don't have no intentions anytime soon coming back. They are enjoying the sinning that they're doing and doing what they want to do. But you say, I'm not a part of it. Man, your family members will turn on you. Amen. Now just think about it. Think about if your family members aren't members of the church of Christ. And you present unto them that there's only one church. Regardless of how little religion they might have. Regardless of how few times a year they might attend a worship service somewhere. The fact of you confronting them and telling them there's only one body, there's only one church, and the one true church is the church of Christ where I attend, you know what? Oh, buddy, you better stand by. You better stand by. But you know what Jesus said? You better, you better dig in. Because Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you better dig in and hold your ground. Did you hear me? You better dig in and hold your ground. If and when we are faced with the painful choice of loyalty to family versus loyalty to Jesus, we must choose who? We must choose who? Jesus. Well, y'all dragging on that. You debating on it, right? Like when holidays roll around and lo and behold, holiday fall on a Saturday or Sunday. Now all these relatives supposed to be coming over. Are they expecting you to bring your favorite potato salad or your green beans or whatever to the, to the drunken festival? But what about worship? What about still being a light for Jesus? 
if the Bible teaches us to abstain from most appearances of evil. All appearances of evil. And I'm not saying every family gathering is evil. I'm just saying about 98% of them. And you know I'm telling the truth. Relatives get that idiot juice in them. They want to fight. They start cursing. They start revealing secrets that's been held forever and a day and start talking. Now somebody fit to get a beat down. But you have to ask yourself, would I have accompanied Jesus to this? You say to yourself, absolutely not. Well, why are you there? Why are you there? If I wouldn't escort Jesus as my company or guest, why are you there? Well, you know, that's family. That's the point Jesus is making right here. You have to make a decision. When he uses this term hate, it's not that you still can't do good. It doesn't mean you still shouldn't pray for them. It still doesn't mean you shouldn't feed them if they're hungry. No, he's not saying that. But he's saying when it comes down to your loyalty, when it comes down to commitment, when it comes to the faithfulness of what you have, Jesus should always be. The answer. Amen. Is that all right? Amen. We must choose Jesus every time, folks. Amen. The one time you give in, you're letting the devil win. What's the next holiday coming up? Labor Day. Labor Day is when? First Monday in September. Oh, somewhere around there. Y'all know what people do on Labor Day, right? Yeah. Huh? They labor. <laughs> they, they, they labor in that idiot, idiot juice. Huh? Folks, I'm just simply saying, all family gatherings aren't bad. But let's be real. How many or what's the majority in, in attendance are Christians and what's the majority as far as non-Christians? The, the question Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Huh? What fellowship does light have with darkness? But brother, man, you're making it seem like I can't have anything to do with my family. I can't have anything to do. I'm not saying you can't have anything to do. I'm saying you just better be very careful and limited to what you do. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's a lot of things you can still do with them. You can share the gospel. Amen. Right? Amen. But oh, woe is me. I don't want to do that because I really stir up the beehive, right? Mm -hmm. But I ask you the question. I want you to think about the question. What fellowship does light have with God? Do you understand what Peter said, who we are as Christians? He said, we are a chosen generation. 
When you reflect back when God entered into the covenant relationship with Israel. He said some specific things to them. He said, I want you to be separate. He called them out. He called them away from all those other nations. Same principle. Same application. When Paul said, come ye out from among them, be ye separate. Is that not the same thing? I don't care what they are out there doing. You are in a covenant relationship with me. I am your God, the only one true God, and you serve me, I'll take care of you. What got Israel in a lot of trouble? A lot of the men in the camps, they started looking over into the other heathen camps. And man, it was like, am I seeing what I think I see? Is she... Did she just do? Are they doing? And guess what? Next thing you know, they're tipping over there. How many times did Israel find themselves given over? God gave them over to bondage because they sinned against God. They went outside of where they should have been. Some men went as far as even to leave the camps and go get heathen wives. Don't get quiet on me. Some went and they went and married the heathen women. Over in Ezra, the Bible talks about when they had been in bondage so long, they, they said, we repent, we repent. They asked God to forgive them and accept them back. And God said, you know what? I'll accept you back. You know, have your offerings burn and your sacrifices and everything. But guess what he said? You come back, but you don't bring no women and children with you. Man, was God that harsh? That's what the Bible says. Read it for yourself in Israel. Was that fair? Man, it ain't a matter of fair or unfairness. They went outside of where they supposed to have been. They were in a covenant relationship with a holy and pure God. And God said, you're not going to bring that mixture of heathen DNA up in the camp. It's just that simple. I chose you. I didn't choose their mama. Amen. Did you hear me? God said, I chose you. I'll, look, you can come back. But don't bring, no, don't bring no wives and no children up in here. And you know what? Those men had to make a decision. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They had been with these women for years. They had children with these heathen women. And now they're going to tell these heathen women, hasta la vista. I got to go. What do you mean you got to go? I thought you said you love me. 
Well, see, now love is being put to the test. Who do you love more? God or that woman? And think about it. You're leaving children. Well, you got to make a decision. Because, see, it never would have been that way if you hadn't gone outside of your boundaries. You can't blame God for being unjust. You can't blame God for being unmerciful. The rules were established. Don't go outside. You're my people. Stay away from them. If you you affiliate with them, they're going to turn your hearts against me. And guess what? It took them time after time after time after time to realize that. Solomon, as wise of a man as he was, God told Solomon, you need to leave those strange women alone. They're going to turn your heart away from me. And the Bible writes about Solomon that he was great in wisdom. Am I right? But he was a fool for a woman. But thank God that he was so merciful to allow Solomon to get himself together. Solomon had umpteen wives and umpteen on top of umpteen concubines. And Solomon would go and build temples and, 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 and places of worship for all these different women. And Solomon knew that was only one true God. Well, why would you do all of this foolishness if you know there's only one true God? And even as wise and great as Solomon was, you know what? They wore him down. But as I said, thank God, he gave him time to come to his senses. That's why when Solomon writes, he said, man, I've had it all. When you read Ecclesiastes, I've had it all. The wives, the concubines, the bands, the soldiers, the vineyards, you name all this stuff. You name it, I've had it, been there, done that. And Solomon said, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. How did he summarize it? Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is why Jesus says, you know what? You got to hate your father. You got to hate your mother. Your sister. Your brother. Jesus is making the statement that you cannot allow their influence To cause you to come between your relationship with the Lord. Never. Never. Do you hear me? Never. Well, if if I skip service just this one time, then you may die that one time. And the wages of sin is what? I'm going I'm to take away from God. I'm going to cheat God out of his glory to celebrate a, a gathering with a bunch of heathen family members. A bunch of people who don't want to hear the gospel. A bunch of people who are just rebellious and stiff-necked. And you say, well, if I just miss this one time. 
Why should you forfeit giving God his glory to please some people who don't love God? I realize this may be a, a choking lesson for some of you. But you're not going to get the judgment day and, and, and say you weren't taught. Jesus said, you even got to hate your wife. And, that, and that's also parallel hating your husband. But your husband should be leading the right way. Oh, well, I know I'm going to go into some, some murky water right here, Reggie. But you know what? I'm ready. I took a shower this morning. I'll take another one after I get through. Sometimes the devil use your spouse. I'm not saying your wife is not a nice person. I'm not saying your wife is not a good person. But I'm saying the devil use your spouse a lot of time. And that's why some men don't step up. That's why some men don't serve. That's why you can't find some men to help do anything around. Because their wives are being used by the devil. And the devil telling their wife, tell him to come home. He might mention, well, I'm going to hang around and this and that. And you, no, you ain't got to say that. You just give him that crazy look. Why, why is it with so many wives, it's such a terrible thing for your husband to hang around men in the church, but you ain't got nothing to say about it when they're hanging with these jokers in the street? Ain't nothing godly and holy, holy about what they're saying. Matter of fact, it's mostly ungodly what they're talking about doing. I'm not saying your wife isn't a nice person. I'm just saying a lot of times they let their God down to be used by the devil. And man, man, Jesus said, you got to hate her. In other words... Whatever it is you're called to do, you better step up and do it. You, but you better step up and do it. I don't care whether she like it or not in many instances. It's so sad we, we see so many situations where men are shopping that Victoria's Secret now. They're wearing the panties. Wife say this, he jumped. Wife say this, he jumped again. Somebody came out with this crazy mess. Well, mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Where that foolishness come from? Now, if Jesus ain't happy, nobody's going to be happy. Who put, who put the wife in the seat of running things? And I know, so, so, I'm, not, I'm not mad at y'all. I'm talking, I'm really talking to the man. Be your man. Be a godly man. Be a disciple. But to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus said, you know what? You've got to love me more than your wife. Wow. Now think about that. What, what kind of love did Jesus say a man has to have for his wife? He said, you better be willing to die for. 
That's interesting, isn't it? But Jesus said, I don't care how strong that love is you have for her. It better not overpower or overcome your love for me. Jesus has to be first. Amen? Amen. Boy, I tell you. Mm. Mm. We must follow Christ. It is in this sense that we are hating our family. Not that we still can't help them. Not that we still really don't love them and don't pray for them. But we're not supposed to allow them to come between our relationship with God. Jesus' command to hate father and mother requires us to prioritize our relationship with Jesus over our relationships with our parents, siblings, and other family members. That's what he's talking about here. So I ask you in closing, who do you love this morning? Huh? Who do you love? What are you willing to put before the Lord? Oh, I know family, family, family. When it's all said and done, when the world and turned on you, when the world and beat you down and everything, folks say, it's family you're going to turn back to. You know what? That ain't always true. Because sometimes the worst beating in the world comes from your family. When all is said and done and people have done you wrong, you know who you need to know you can turn to? The church. The church. The church. See, the devil got our minds so polluted and defiled and thinking, you know what? We, we may have had one bad run in with one person in the body, whatever. So you deeming everybody like that. Stop that foolishness. The church has never done anything wrong to you. God has never done anything wrong to you. You can't say that about anybody in your family. Can you? You cannot even make the comparison. So stop putting a bad name on the church. Acting like, oh, well, you know the old folks in the church. No, I know the old folks in your family. They, they're not interested in going to heaven and you'll go to hell with them. Amen. God has done so much for us, folks. So please don't leave saying, Brother May is trying to coerce us, coerce us into becoming a cult or whatever. No, I'm simply telling you what the word of God says. You can read it for yourself. It says, don't you put anything or anybody above your relationship with the Lord. Jesus said, if any man, Matthew 16, 24, if any man will come after me, let him first deny himself. So really where it begins, it begins by saying, Lord, not my will. Thy will be done. And if it means, you know what? I got to cut some ties with some siblings, some cousins, some, some other relatives or whoever. You know what? I'll cut them. I'll cut them. To serve you, I'll cut them. 
to glorify you, I'll cut them. Whatever it is I got to do, Lord, here am I. Send me. You think about those 12 Jesus took with him. Some of those men were married. They had, they had families. But you know what? They forsook all and followed Jesus. Did it bother them at some point in time? Yes, it did. It, it's, it talks about it. They held a meeting one time. They wandering from here to there, from here to there. Because here's the thing, folks. Jesus didn't have no physical address down here. He didn't have a house. Remember he said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. These men got tired. They got tired of wandering from place to place. Every time they went somewhere, we borrowing this. We got to ask for that. So they got concerned one time. They said, they held a meeting. They said, well, I go talk to them. But the Bible said Jesus already knew the intent of their heart. They said, Lord, we have forsaken all to follow you. What's in it for us? Jesus said, man, do you not understand? I'm paraphrasing it. You haven't given up anything that I can't restore back unto you far greater than what you already had. Do we understand that? Sometimes sometime we hinder God from blessing us because of folks we won't cut loose. You got sin in the camp. You got sin that's hindering God from blessing you, but you choose to hold on to the sin and God will hold back on his blessing. And you get frustrated. You become mad and upset. Well, what am I doing wrong? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Need to make up your mind. And choose ye this day whom you're going to serve. What did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. See, that's another reason why we don't have the closeness in the church we used to. Because everybody, I'm not going to say everybody, most folks in the church don't even fellowship with other folks in the church. You're still out there with the heathens. Yeah, I said it. Heathens. Non-believers. Heathens. And you feel more comfortable out there. And you wonder why many folks in the church don't grow spiritually. Because you're not being fed God's word with the heathens. The heathens ain't out there holding Bible discussions on building faith and becoming stronger. Avoiding fornication and... Purity and all. The heathens ain't talking about that. They're talking about eating, drinking, and being merry. And you wonder why your faith is so weak. You're hanging with the wrong crowd. But that's my mama. Your mama didn't hang on the cross for you. That's my daddy. Your daddy didn't have a spear pierced in his side. That's my brother. And my parents told us before they died, you know what? Take care of one another. Look out for one another. What did Jesus tell those disciples when they brought his mother 
unto him. They said, Jesus, Jesus, here's your mother. Jesus looked at him and he said, these, this is my family. All of them that were present. Did that mean he disrespected, didn't have love for his mother? Oh, he loved his mother. But he was saying, man, the spiritual family is far greater and stronger than the physical. Now, you can sit there and contemplate and debate that all you want to. Read your Bible. You're not going to heaven based upon who you're related to physically. Going to heaven is a spiritual thing. Alright, so I guess some of you say I'm, I'm preaching enough hate this morning. I'm preaching enough hate. That's right. And going to always be a hater. In the true context. If it's going to help you to build your relationship with the Lord. Amen. 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 So folks, I don't know what you're dealing with in your life. But I've come to learn in these short 59 years of my living. The correct answer to the test is always Jesus. Amen. It's always Jesus. We sit and we ponder and we scratch our head trying to figure out. And the answer is Jesus. You know how I know the answer is always Jesus? Because he said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We'll call up our mama. We'll call up our daddy. We'll call up our sister, our brother, cousin. When Jesus is the answer. Mama might give you some decent advice, but she might throw a little extra stuff in there that ain't inspired by God. Daddy might give you some good advice, but you know what? The best comes from the best. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. Why don't you give it to Jesus? What relative of yours has ever told you, cast all your cares upon them because they care for you? You have a relative that told you that? Man, when my, when my parents were living, you know, I know they love me, but they ain't never tell me that. When I got married, my parents said, that's on you. That's on you. Don't come here whining to us. You're grown, you're married, work out your own problems. We'll give you some advice, but you know what? It ain't our job to interfere in your marriage. But Jesus says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? He cares for you. Can he lie? But guess what? And I don't mean to be offensive about that. Sometimes your parents might lie. But Jesus would never lie to you. That's why you need to come to him. Give it up. Give it up. Give him a chance. You know what? If he proved that he ain't, you know, he's not what you're looking for, the devil will always accept you back. The devil will accept you back. What's our song, Foster? 
605. Just as I am is our invitation song. And you know what? Whatever is weighing on your heart, whatever you're going through, give it up this morning. Give it up. Because he cared for you. Whether it be baptism, Bible teaches one must hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of their sins and live faith unto death. Stand in need of repentance? Get it right, folks, and leave here a better person than you arrived. Let us together stand and let us sing. Just as I am without one plea, Oh, Lamb of God.